0: Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to answer a few of your questions. It's always uh, great when uh, we have a chance to interact with you guys personally, and many of you have sent in questions and uh, wanna know a little bit more about the work that we do. And so I'm gonna pick a few questions today and uh, just do my best to answer them. So I'm gonna uh, just pull this document up and wing it as it were. So hopefully, I've always found Q and A's to be tremendously helpful. Uh, So hopefully our interaction today be beneficial. Let's jump right in to our first question. I would like to hear more on how to respond and educate church leaders. I'm getting discouraged by the cluelessness towards this subject at churches in my area. Okay so the question is about how to educate the church. There's definitely within the question some frustration and I understand that the, the questioner says, uh, I'm getting discouraged by the cluelessness toward this subject at churches in my area. I think that is pretty typical. I, I would say a lot of us, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of us in the work experience that frustration and that discouragement. And I would say that the first thing is if we're just looking at it from the, from the broadest sense. Okay. So if we step back, And we look at what we know about abuse, okay, what we've educated ourselves on, what we've learned. And most of us, including most of you who are listening, have had to grow in your understanding of abuse. Even survivors who perhaps are listening to the podcast would say that they learned and were educated not just by their own experiences, uh, but through the help of others. I would say many times in victim work, advocates are educating victims on what they're experiencing. They're not telling them what they're experiencing. We're certainly not defining what they're experiencing, but through discussions about the experience of abuse, uh, we're able to introduce victims to tools like the power and control wheel, uh, other victims' experiences. Once we're able to categorize that, it's a lot easier, even for survivors, to be able to say, "Yes, I was a victim of domestic abuse or sexual abuse," and I know that because of A, B, C, and D. I felt the weight of abuse. I see the pattern. Um, you know, because sometimes when you're in it, you don't see the pattern; you just experience the incidents. But once you get the broader construct, it begins to make more and more sense. Those of us who are not victims or survivors, th- those of us like myself who were brought into the work uh, by advocates and survivors and, and became educated, um, we can honestly say that we did not understand the dynamics and impact of abuse. If you had a chance to read uh, my book, you know that in the book I tell a story about an incident in which I handled poorly. I, I wish I had handled that scenario differently. So one of the things, the first thing, as we're discouraged at the climate of the church today, is to take a step back and embrace a humble position that reminds ourselves that the vast majority of church leaders, the vast majority of pastors, the vast majority of church members, the majority of people in the culture at large, do not know what we know about abuse that there is a educational gap there's an informational gap there's a level of dissidence that exists within the church and so i understand that there are some awful people in the church there are some pastors who deny the existence of abuse and we'll talk about that in a moment but our at first glance the, the question is, can we be humble in our response to say, out of compassion, I want to educate the church? Let me give some scriptural rationale for that, and then I'll try to unpack it. You know, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about a lot of different subjects, but one is anger, and in that, you probably recall, he says, uh, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down, Well, you're angry. That's a verse that's often used against victims uh, as if victims are holding a grudge. But the principle, right, is that anger and sin are not always synonymous, that it is possible to be angry and yet express it in a righteous way. I think Paul explains that more in verse 31 and 32. In verse 31, he gives us six expressions of anger right? Get rid of all bitterness, anger, brawling, slander, malice, rage. He goes through this list of six expressions of anger that would be sinful responses. And then he says, instead, in verse 32, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving, just as in Christ God forgave you. Three responses that are virtuous and we would often separate those from anger but Paul connects them right so it is possible for us to be angry at the church's response to abuse as we look at the church in our community we might get angry that they have not handled abuse well or that they have handled abuse dangerously and so is our response to be rageful or slanderous or malicious? Well, according to Ephesians 4, no. We are to be kind. And so what would a kindness be to the church? It's to serve them, excuse me, to offer them our services when possible. We're to be compassionate, to have a level of concern and pity that looks at the church and says, from that humble perspective, okay, is it possible that your ignorance has led you to poor counsel. And then lastly, to forgive with a caveat. Notice that the forgiveness is not just, it's okay, church, I forgive you that you have messed up. No, it is forgive just as in Christ God forgave you. So there is a condition. If the church has sinned against victims, will they now repent? And are we in a position to call them to repentance? And we may or we may not be, right? So if it's a glaring sin issue and we have all the information that is required to confront them, then we can confront them. If we don't know, then I think um, we do think the best. We go in with a uh, compassionate attitude. But those are much better responses to the frustration and the anger, I think, of the church around us not responding well. Now, the other side of that is, and I don't know the questioner's concern here because I, I don't know more details to the question, but maybe it's more than discouragement. If you've been intimately involved with these churches and have seen them deliberately do damage or do damage with little concern or operate in foolishness and you've you've tried to address it and they remain unresponsive, then we're not at this point just talking about poor choices, ignorance, um, lack of education. Now we're talking about the demonic. We're talking about um, uh, poor theology that's leading to poor practice. Uh, we're talking about more meaty things. I, I do think that the temptation is for us to ignore the principles of Galatians 6, right? Brothers and sisters, if is caught in the sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one and do it with gentleness is that we don't address a problem with gentleness. We address it with fury and rage and Ephesians 431 type of responses rather than uh, 432 type of responses. So I understand the heart of the question. And so my recommendation is, if it's truly based on their cluelessness, then how can we give them a clue? And that's where the questioner says, I'd like to respond to how to educate how do we educate churches? Um, I'll give you a couple resources. Um, I think a you know pastors are not going to more than likely spend a lot of time on this subject matter. Um, but a couple couple things. One is a short reading list. I'm going to give you a very short reading list that I recommend uh, for pastors who are investigating domestic abuse. Number one, is Is It My Fault by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. I know some folks don't care for this book because it's not exhaustive. That's one of the reasons why I like it because it's illustrative. It gives you just enough information. I think if you want a primer, an introduction to domestic abuse, Is It My Fault by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb serves that purpose. It doesn't give you every detail of abuse but it gives you enough information to acknowledge the problem as it exists within the church second is my book the heart of domestic abuse that book i think will give a pastor a good understanding of what's happening within the heart of the abuser and it puts the focus on the real problem and therefore where the solution is in addressing men who abuse and then thirdly i would say called to peace by joy Forrest gives the pastor a good indicator of the suffering and the significance of abuse as it relates to a victim. Now, certainly, there are more resources that can fall under that. I always recommend um, Leslie Vernick's Emotionally Destructive Books um, as a, a primer or a rubric for understanding emotional abuse. And the list could go on and on and on. I think the temptation is we take the now 27, 30 books that have been written and we want our pastors to read those in a week that's probably not realistic. So maybe start with that short reading list. Second, maybe if you feel like that that's too much even, uh, pick one podcast. You've been listening to the PeaceWorks podcast. We're over 100 episodes right now. Pick one podcast that um, you're, you ask ask your pastor to read it on his commute to church, or read it, excuse me, listen to it on his commute to church uh, as an opportunity to, to grow and to to get started or invited in the process. Perhaps a video, I think one that we've been told has been very significant in the life of pastors is a talk that I did at the Faith Biblical Counseling Training Conference uh, called Helping the Church Respond, and it's on YouTube. You can just, Chris Moles, Helping the Church Respond, and it should come up. Uh, Also, the webinars that I conducted with Leslie Vernick uh, through Radio Bible Class, Our Daily Bread, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage and Shepherding the Emotionally Destructive Marriage are both online. So one of those, I wouldn't give them everything, but one of those uh, could be helpful. And um, the the pastors who are sincere, I think they will step in. I've been so thankful uh, for becoming a church that cares well for the abuse, the curriculum that I was part of through the Southern Baptist Convention. While I know publicly there has been a lot of negative things said there have been those who don't like the curriculum there have been those from both perspectives those who are advocating for the abuse that for the abused that say we did too little there are those who are i think far too honestly misogynistic and patriarchal who've said that we are you know feminists and secularists and so on i mean the the public criticism really isn't telling the story what does tell the story are pastors who write us and thank us for that work, how important the work was and how little they knew. That is where um, that is where we find hope, is through the pastors who are genuinely concerned. And I had a, a church planter um, mentor several years ago say to me, you know, you move with the movers and you shake with the shakers, in other words, we cannot spend all our time trying to convince those who don't want to be convinced. Uh, if there are pastors who continue to deny the significance of abuse who don't want to be educated, then really we shouldn't spend our time trying to educate them. Uh, we should focus on those who will, who will listen. So don't give up. Look for opportunities to introduce pastors to simple, achievable, measurable material that's going to help them Take the next step um, uh, toward growing um, in this in this situation in this understanding. So let's see if we can get one more question. That that was a good question. I appreciate that. Don't give up on educating the church. Um, there are people out there who want to learn. Let's see uh, some longer ones. Let me find a nice. Short question. Okay, yeah. So uh, the question, I'm just going to shorten it, is about sex addiction and pornography. How's that for a transition? Educating the church to uh, pornography and sex addiction. So the the question, and I get this in several forms, basically is, hey, can you talk about the correlation or the connection between pornography use and domestic abuse? And I I think I can't. There's a lot of folks who are are really looking into the connection between the two. Um, I would say probably the most prominent connection is the objectification of women. Um, Now, there is a chicken and an egg debate that goes on. So the question is, does pornography use lead one to domestic abuse? Um, And I'm not sure... I could answer that question effectively and say that, you know, if a 12-year-old boy gets addicted to, to pornography through his teenage years, does that mean he's going to abuse women, sexually, physically, emotionally, in adulthood? I don't know. It's it's possible. It's more than likely probable, considering long-standing objectification of women. The dilemma is the causation, you know. And this is one thing I, I have conversations with men about: just is it your pornography use that produces your view of women, or is it your view of women that permits your pornography use? Um, the 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 converse could be just as true. Correct? If I have a low view of women, then I will objectify them. Um, and so, really, the the question I'm not so sure is okay. The correlation, I think the the question is really, or the causation, the question is really the correlation. And what is it that we're addressing? And so I would contend that an individual who uses pornography uh, and abuses their wife is not surprising. I, I think that you should expect co-occurring issues. And pornography use will probably be one of those. It's prevalent Um, It's accessible and there is um, similarities in objectification being one of the the pillars, right? One of the key aspects. Also, I I read something recently talking about um, pornography as an industry uh, and how pornography does not portray real sexual activity and how hyperviolence or violent pornography is becoming much more prevalent. And I would say that is also problematic as you're instructing especially young boys are getting their, for lack of a better word, their sex education from pornography, which is really um, presenting sexual activity in a false, deceptive, manipulative, violent way as opposed to uh, the way in which God designed. So that's really the issue I think at hand is how do we contrast that? Is it a matter of we'll reduce violence against women by eliminating pornography? I doubt it. Um, do they have a relationship? Certainly, but what's the response? Well, I think a higher view of the image of God in people, understanding the the causes and the nature of objectification, addressing entitlement. Um, Those are things that that need to be addressed, Uh, and I would see much of the work that I do, pornography and domestic abuse, being symptoms of the same problem, not necessarily causative of each other. Certainly complexing. I mean, they add complexity, um, but I would say that the addiction the sexual addiction pornography is coming from the same heart that the violence and the abuse is and so we want to address that by contrasting that heart with the mind of christ i hope that's helpful but certainly it's it's a part i mean it's a big aspect it's something that we see quite a bit and i will say if you are counseling or working this would mostly be men or working with men who are abusive Uh, it should not shock you at all in fact you should expect to find a co-occurring issue whether it be drug or alcohol addiction uh, gambling uh, infidelity and I think pornography is probably the biggest rock in that group I would say it's probably the most likely uh, co-occurring issue that you're going to find all right well there's two questions looks like we're about 20 minutes in so I think we'll call that an episode I hope that was helpful Uh, Looking over my list, we've got a lot of questions, and so maybe we'll revisit that in a couple episodes. I hope that that was helpful, talking a little bit about um, educating the church and then also the correlation between pornography use and domestic abuse. Uh, Thank you all so much for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast, for supporting us and, um, yeah, taking this information and sharing it with others so that the church can become more educated and safer in the long run. Uh, Again, we appreciate you guys so much. God bless.